You are now listening to One Hour School Wide, the official sports podcast of Pin Oak Middle School. All right, welcome in to another episode of One Hour School Wide. This is your host, Mr. Mertz. And I want to start today's episode with a shout out and a thank you to the Pin Oak PTO. Um, Pin Oak PTO helped make this podcast a reality. They bought us microphones and soundproofing and all the equipment that we're going to need once we return to campus and things are back to normal. Um, so if you did hear some sound issues in the last episode, um, that's probably why, because we're, we're st- most of the students are still on their, their laptops. But once we get back to school, we will have microphones and the sound quality will improve. And I just want to say thank you to the Pin Oak PTO for the opportunity to do a as close to professional podcast as we can. All right, so um, how are you doing? Did you watch that game the other day? Yeah, they probably should have went for it, right? We have a good episode today. Um, we have it's a different format than last time. Students are in small groups and they're talking about their chosen slash assigned um, sport. We got NFL, college football, soccer, baseball, NBA basketball. We got you covered here on One Hour School Wide. Um, more on that in a minute. Um, I just want to give a few thoughts from me as a sports fan coming into this weekend. Really excited about this weekend. There's a full slate of uh, college football on Saturday. Um, I'm a big Oklahoma fan, University of Oklahoma Sooners. I grew up in Oklahoma. My wife is a graduate from the University of Oklahoma. So I'm excited to see the Sooners play at 11 a.m. versus Kansas State. Um, I've been hearing and seeing on Twitter that Kansas State is having a lot of uh, coronavirus-related issues and contact tracing, and they may be out a lot of players. So I'm expecting uh, OU to play well, especially if they're playing a lot of uh, Kansas State backups. Um, However, um, Kansas State did beat OU last year, um, and it seems like Kansas State always beats OU every three or four years don't really know how or why, um, but it seems like Kansas State upsets Oklahoma and then all the years in between are blowouts. So since Kansas State won last year, perhaps uh, t- perhaps tomorrow is one of those blowout games for Oklahoma. Um, I hope it is as a fan. Also looking forward uh, to seeing uh, Mississippi State and LSU, mostly just because of uh, Mike Leach taking the, taking the coaching of uh, – the coaching realm of uh, Mississippi State and seeing an SEC team that's probably going to throw the ball 70-plus times. Uh, that'll be fun to watch. Um, I've always been kind of this uh, Mike Leach fan from his days uh, when he was actually um, offensive coordinator at Oklahoma in 1999 and then went on to Texas Tech and then Washington State. Um Later in the day, I'm interested in watching uh, Miami, Florida State, one of those classic rivalries. Um, two teams that have maybe have kind of been down the last few years, but I kind of feel like Miami may be on their way back up, especially with Derek King, uh, the former University of Houston quarterback that has transferred. I think that'll be interesting and fun to watch. Uh, I think that game's at 6.30. Also excited to watch the Dynamo, uh, Houston Dynamo play at 2.30 on Saturday. Um, especially after that very disappointing performance on Wednesday where they lost uh, 
four nil to uh, Chicago Fire. By far the worst game. It probably should have been even five or six to nil, but uh, VAR took a couple goals away from um, Chicago Fire. Maybe it was five nil. It was either four to nil or five to nil. Either way, it was a very bad performance by the Dynamo. By far their worst performance of the year. Um, I feel like they're still trying to kind of get their footing after um, letting Albert Elise go to Europe to play. Um, but they played Nashville SC on uh, on Saturday, and I think they're kind of towards the bottom of the Eastern Conference in the MLS. So hopefully the Dynamo can get three points. Uh, there's also uh, English Premier League football in the morning on Saturday and on Sunday. Interested to see uh, Chelsea play West Brom. They need Chelsea needs three points. I'm also a Chelsea fan. And then uh, also excited about another full Sunday of uh, NFL football. I got two fantasy football teams and pretty much glued to uh, my iPad and updating <laughs> and updating statistics in, uh, in the ESPN fantasy football app with my two uh, fantasy football teams. So excited about the weekend. Um, all right, so let's jump into our uh, podcast today. Um, we have segments from the students, uh, group segments. Most of them are from five to maybe 12 minutes long each. And then at the end, um, there was a student that didn't quite make the deadline for his individual segment last week, but I uh, I told him I would slide it in here at the end of, the, uh, of this podcast. So towards the end, at the very end of the podcast, there will be an individual segment that didn't quite make the deadline from last week, but um, here it is for you this week. Um, so yeah, uh, here we go. And uh, thank you once again for listening to One Hour Schoolwide. Um, please be sure to hit the like or follow button wherever you are listening to our podcast. All right, we are here now with an MBA segment. What's the name of y'all's segment? Uh, we call our segment the the shot clock. The shot clock. Ooh, I like that. All right, and we're here with Ryan, Edward, and Abdul. So uh, tell us what you uh, talked about in your segment this week. In so, our segment, we just we covered like the two rounds in the playoffs, and then we made predictions on how we think it's uh, how else it's going to go, and we sort of covered the NBA draft, but we didn't really get to most of it. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you think anybody, any one of those teams in the East, the Celtics or the Heat, have any chance to beat the Lakers? Or yes, think, yeah, they think, do. Both of it. Either one that win, they both have a chance because they will, they if they have everything they need to defeat the Lakers. Yeah, Heat are made of a team of like rookies and veterans who make who mix well together because like the veterans play defense and shoot threes and then the rookies like tyler hero are like really good scorers and then they just have jimmy butler who's always consistent in the clutch okay you you think jimmy butler can take down uh lebron and anthony davis the thing is with um like the heat they have depth that is always consistent with the lakers you can have danny green shooting for like four for 14 from the three-point line in a game, or he can go off. So I think the consistency of the Heat have a chance against the Lakers. Okay, cool. Well, I'm excited to listen to you guys' this segment this week, and uh, thanks for the work that you've done. And, uh, yeah, here we go.
Okay. Hello and welcome to the Shot Clock, the NBA recaps uh, segment featuring Ryan, Ryan, Edward, Ali, and Abdul. Uh, in this week's segment, we're going to be going over uh, the two uh, conference final series going on right now, uh, the the Heat versus the Celtics and the Lakers versus the Nuggets. Uh, Edward, you want to start us off? Yeah. So in the Heat versus the Nuggets, I'm in, in the in my, my bad. The Heat versus the Celtics series. The Heat um took a two zero lead in the first two games, with um Miami playing well in game one, and then and, and both games were close. And then the the Celtics actually were leading for most of the both both of the games, but then the Heat like with, with Jimmy Butler in the clutch, they came out on top. And then after game two, um there was like. There were banging noises coming from the um, Celtics locker room, and like everybody was yelling at each other, so they were frustrated. Yeah, you can really tell the Celtics are not not happy with these losses. They're kind of they're kind of getting letting it get to them, and, that, and that's what, and that's and that's kind of when you know that they're in your head, and you can't really, and you're having trouble firing back. So yeah, yeah I'm, they I'm, could have looking for the Celtics right now. They could have won game two, uh, both of the games, because in the first half, they were up by double digits, but in the second half, they just they want, and it looks like they didn't want it to win. They just uh, let the court out of the pads, so they lost. That's why they could have won both games. Yeah, the Heat, the heat no pun intended, are coming out with the fire right now. Yeah, the Heat has a lot, had a lot of confidence. That's why they are like in the Western Conference. They have talent too, but they have a confidence a lot. Yeah, and um, so in Game Three, the Celtics fought back and they won. Like it was, it was not really that close. Like the Celtics went up by like nineteen, and then they never looked back, and then they won Game Three. But in Game Four, um. The Celtics didn't beat off like the Celtics' best player, Jason Tatum. He scored zero points in the first half, letting the Heat go to an immediate advantage, led by Tyler Hero, who scored 37 in the game. Yeah, his career high, and that's that's really disappointing, man. Because you know, you know Tatum, he's 28. He, even though he didn't score the entire first half, he was scoreless. He still he still got 28 points off that. Yeah, and it was a three point game. If he had at least done something in the first half, the Celtics would have won, and it would be two two right now. Okay, it's just it's, it's, that's why that's why that first the first and second quarter they're so important because they really set the tone for the match. If you're up, like. They're they're gonna your opponents are gonna have to get the ones with gonna be the ones that have to get that more outboost. Your opponents are gonna be that one, the ones that have to work extra hard to come back. When the Celtics put themselves behind that early like that, it really kills them. Yeah, and then the Heat are really good at like playing in the second half with Jimmy Butler being always clutch in the fourth quarter, and then their veterans and then their young players all stepping up in the third. So that's why. But they- uh, but a game a game. Five or game four was all about our hero because he was the hero for the Heat. <laughs> yeah, and then game five is coming up like today. I'm pretty sure. And then I think the Heat are gonna take it, or the Celtics might take it. I don't know. It depends on like how Jason Tatum plays and if like one of the Heat's role players, like Tyler Hero, goes off again. I think Tyler definitely get more minutes because. Right now he only has 36, but he's playing like really good, leading that game four. So 
I, I feel like if he had like the same minutes as Jimmy Butler, he he could be really good. Just like yeah, just needs more opportunity. Yeah, let's go out to our uh, prediction for who's gonna win. So I got the Heat winning in six because they have a three-one lead, and I don't think that the Celtics are gonna make a comeback of down three-two. So yeah. Yeah, I, I think Heat and Six as well. I think the Celtics are going to take Game Five tonight, and they will have a little bit of momentum. But in Game Six, Jimmy Butler is going to lead the team and close it out. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a big hole to climb yourself out of. Yeah, uh, and it it pains me as a Celtics fan, but I'm I'm pretty sure the Heat the Heat are going to take this one. It's 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 tough, but I really I really can't see them making this comeback. It, yeah, especially the way the, uh, the especially the way the whole team the Heat whole team are playing. I don't think so. I'd like to see it happen, but I don't really think it is. What do you got, Ali? Who you win? Uh, who got winning for you? I think I got the Heat because the way Tyler Hero's playing, like, and I remember he did that buzzer beater a long time ago, a while ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had like a couple like clutch shots in the end of the Buck series to close him out. Yeah. Okay, now let's go to the Western Conference Finals. The Lakers versus the Nuggets. Yeah, so in game one, like so in games one and two, I'm pretty sure the Lakers took a vote with like no fight from the Nuggets at all. The Nuggets were just like, after two hard seven-game series, they were just winded. And then the Lakers coming off with, like, a five, like only playing five games against the Rockets, they were rested. And then they got to, like, show out with Davis and LeBron against Jokic and Murray, who didn't stand a chance. Well, game two, it was a close game because in game two, Anthony Davis hit the game-winning three to give the Lakers a 2-0 lead over the Nuggets. Yeah, and. And especially the way in the uh, the the way that Anthony Davis and LeBron James are playing in the first two games, I don't think the Nuggets have a chance to win this. Even though they they won one game, but now they're down three one. Even though they won two games down and uh, being down three one, I don't think they have the fight power to do it against the Lakers. Yeah, yeah. And, and the Nuggets have really proven this year that they are the comeback kings. But like. They have to have a limit somewhere, right? Like mm-hmm. they've already played so many playoff games, and they're and they're already down three one. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It could happen. But you know? but it's uh, they put a good fight, so it's um, people respect them. They put a good fight. Yeah, and then the Nuggets, like even if they don't win this year, they have like young talent like Michael Porter Jr., who doesn't get many minutes, who can be a key piece for them. And they also have the duo of Murray and Jokic, so they should be good. Yeah, and they're, uh, Murray and um, uh, Jokic are young, too, also. They're not that young, but they are young. Yeah. And then, so, yeah, in game three, like Abdul said, um, Anthony Davis hit the buzzer. I mean, in game two, Anthony Davis hit the buzzer beater. And then in game three, the Nuggets actually took it by at least, like, I think 10 points or so. And then it was, like, it was a good game for them. But in game four, last night, the Lakers took it because, um, like, just Davis went off. And, like, the Nuggets just don't have what it takes to go against the Lakers, in my opinion. 
Yeah, yeah. game four, Davis really – he went good with his 34 points. Murray didn't do that bad, though, in the Nuggets. Yeah. He has some tough shots, but, like, he can't be the only one to carry the team. Some of the players, like, like Jokic and Murray are just, like, carrying right now. They need a little more, more help off the bench. Yeah, even though Murray, uh, Murray and Jokic are doing great, they're not doing great as well as the Lakers' top two uh, best players, LeBron James, who's averaging about 21 points. Well, uh, Anthony Davis is averaging about 34 points. I don't think Murray or Jokic are close to those numbers. Yeah. So, I think that like, the Lakers are going to take it in five. I don't see the Nuggets pulling off three 3-1 three, comebacks this year, and I just think LeBron's going to close it out and get ready to go against either the Heat or Celtics in the finals. Yeah. Who you guys got winning the finals? I think well, I want the Heat to win because like they're fun to watch, and they're like an underdog being the five seed. But I'm pretty sure the Lakers are going to take it, and then that'll be another championship to LeBron's resume. Making him like a little more of a contender in the goat conversation, but ah, nah, not above Michael Jordan, no way, man. Well, yeah, but like, yeah, but he's like, no, no. If he if he takes this, he's without a doubt top ten basketball players of all time. If he takes this title, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's still got a couple years to go because yeah, and he's still kicking, man. Like he's 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 proving that he's still long. Like, yeah, because uh, look how much he spends on his body. That's one. Yeah, that's he, he's an old man, but he's yeah. So, but then you can like so when LeBron like let's say he passes Bron, like his, let's say he's a free agent, he could just like go to a contender and start ring chasing, like what like some players do when they're like uh, like they they just they have a good career, but they deserve more rings. They can just, like, choose a championship team and then just hope to contribute a little bit or ride the bench the entire time. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about free agency. Or no? Well, I think in the free, I think free agency is the best, like, the hottest topic from free agent this year is Giannis. So this year, his contract, he has an option to either stay with the Bucks for one more year and then resign later, or he can um, decline the player option and then go and be an unrestricted free agent and choose wherever he wants. Yeah, that would be a major surprise because he won two MVPs in a row, and he's a big target for all the teams. Yeah, like the two teams, uh, the three teams that Giannis um, – like that, the NBA experts are speculating that Giannis could go to. Like, I think he's probably gonna stay with the Bucks and try to like win a championship there. But if not, the two other teams are the Heat and the Warriors. So he can pull like a LeBron or like Kevin Durant, and then like go to the team that beat them, or just go to the Heat. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know, so. man. Wherever Giannis goes, right? He's he's gonna do well. He's gonna do well. Yeah. But- there's, 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 he has really scary potential, right? Like, he, he, he fits the role of just crashing the boards so well. Like, yeah. And he's a small, he can play small forward too. And he's yeah. 6'11. Yeah. yeah, he's a, he's really athletic. Like, he can do anything. Yeah, the, man, the man's a freak. That's why his name's. <laughs> I mean, you got a name? Like, the Greek freak? Yeah, you got <laughs> you gotta know. He's at least a little good, you know? <laughs> he's, he's, but he's that good three point shooter, so. Another thing is, 
the Warriors could be very scary next year because they have their two guards coming back and Draymond Green, so they have like a nice three like people in their starting lineup there. And then they also have the second pick, so they can trade hit and and they also have cap space as well. So that's like enough for like maybe two more stars. Like let's say they trade their pick for a young player, like a young small forward, like I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think the Warriors have the most cap space because like they they don't even have that much play. They only have like Curry and Clay Thompson. They traded away Kevin Durant. Yeah. They are all young people, young guys. Yeah, so they can pick up like a small, like a young small forward. I don't know who it won't be, but they already have Wiggins. They can trade him or the pick to get something good, or and then they would have cap space as well, so they could pick. Imagine if the if the Warriors like. So they have Curry, Clay. Let's say they sign Giannis, keep Raymond, and then try, and then they trade their pick for like a good big man, like that's decent. They'd be so scary. And the division of the the Pacific division with the Warriors, Clippers, and Lakers are really so stacked. Yeah, but I don't think uh, I don't think Kawhi's gonna stay with the Clippers or part of those. I think we gotta start start wrapping up here because we're we're about we're almost we've almost filled our time slot. Uh, Thank you all for listening to the shot clock, and uh, we'll see you next week. All right, um, we're here with a college football segment. What's the name of y'all segment? Power Five College Football. Power Five College Football. We have Braden, Charles, and Weston. Okay, so uh, tell us a little bit about what we're about to hear. Okay, so in our segment, we gave some recaps of the games. I did the Louisville-Miami game. I did uh, Clemson versus Citadel. I did Oklahoma State versus Tulsa. Okay, cool. Um, and then, and then uh, we give our playoff predictions as well. We gave us our playoff predictions. Oh, wow. You're, like, jumping all the way to the end of the season. Okay. It's, just, it's fun to give your early pre- playoff predictions because you can be completely wrong. That's we also give our Heisman predictions. Yeah. Oh, Heisman predictions. Okay. Yeah. Well, I know who you're going to pick, Charles. Yep, I'm being biased. <laughs> Sam Ellinger's going to win. <laughs> All right, all right. Um, what what about the games coming up this weekend? Any any games you're looking forward to watching? Um, there's probably new Texas Texas Tech. Texas Texas Tech at at Texas Tech. Okay. Yes, in Lubbock. Personally, if you're a Florida State fan, I'm going to watch the um Miami Florida game. Um, Florida State game. I think. People are sleeping on them because this will be his uh, Mike Norvell's second game, but that should be a good game. And there's one more. This game? Doesn't he have COVID? Excuse me? Yeah, he has COVID. How's that going to work? He's not even going to be able to coach, though, right? Yeah, but it, for the, he, has a, he hired a great um, staff, so. Okay. And then I'm going to be doing uh, A&M Vanderbilt. I feel like it's going to be a blowout, but also Vanderbilt has surprised us. They is, uh, is A&M going to be better than 8-4 and four ever, or are they just no, always going to be 8-4? No, they're always going to be a bit sure after Trevor. <laughs> and they have lost all of our Aggies. They will never be better with Jimbo. Jimbo is a okay coach. 
Well, I mean, Jimbo, Kevin Sumlin, I mean, every coach that's there, they go, like, they're supposed to be really good, and they go eight and four, except for that one year when Johnny Menzel won the Heisman, so. They have talent. I mean, they should be good. I just, what happens down there? I don't know. Kellen Mons, there's one more game that I'm looking forward to, the Louisville-Pittsburgh game. Um, the reason I'm looking forward to this game is I want to see if Louisville can ba- bounce back from the Miami loss. Okay. Well, um, I'm excited to listen to y'all's segment, and um, thanks for the work that you do. And, uh, yeah, here we go. All right. I'm Weston Benner. I'm Charlie Graff. I'm Brandon Blackburn, and you are listening to College um, – and you are listening to Power 5 College Football Segment. All right. So first, I'm going to talk about the ACC's finest Clemson. So in this most recent game, the Clemson Tigers faced off against the Citadel Bulldogs. Final score is 49-0 with Clemson shutting out the Citadel. What's interesting is that no team scored in the second half. But to be fair, Clemson did have their third strings in. Clemson's head coach also opted for a shorter game. But the Citadel head coach said that he wanted to play for the full time. This is pretty interesting because the Citadel only plays four games this year. I mean. It might have influenced his decision-making because the Citadel got $450,000 for playing Clemson. No one got hurt in the whole game, and this was Clemson's first shutout win from 2016. I feel like the turning point in the game happened after the first quarter because by then, Clemson was winning 28-0, and everyone knew that the game was over. Um, the player of the game was no shocker, Trevor Lawrence, with three touchdowns, 168 yards, and though he only threw eight passes, he got three touchdowns from that. So, you know, it's his last year, and he's really showing us that he wants to go out with a bit. Now, you might say that Clemson's third-string team as a whole was horrible, and I, I would agree with you, but you have to keep in mind, he's a third-string. These guys rarely get any real playing time. So, in my opinion, it was the Citadel quarterback, uh, Brandon Rainey. I, I understand that it's hard to face off against a really great defensive team, but you have to make something happen. Rainey got sacked four times, Three for 38 yards. And probably the worst part is that his backup is better than him. Jalen Adams came in later in the game, and he still didn't score, but he looked a lot more like a real quarterback than Brandon. So I think it's pretty obvious why this is a loss. They just got outplayed. There's only a handful of teams that can face off against Clemson. The Citadel is definitely not one of them. I mean, when you're held scoreless by third string players, you've done something wrong. Game was over by halftime, and Clemson used the third and fourth quarter as a practice round. I guess the only thing the Citadel can do is just put in their backup QB instead of their first string and try to score next game. Um, For Clemson, I would just say keep giving your third string practice and try to have less fumbles. So Clemson has a bye next week, but the week after they play Virginia, that's going to be an easy game. Citadel plays Eastern Kentucky for their only home game of their four-game year. That will be a close one. Um, Oh, yeah, and last week when I said that Wake Forest versus North Carolina would be close, that final score was 42-45 with North Carolina nearly taking home the win. All right, so that's all. Weston Benner signing out. Um, Brayden, you're next. Hi, um, it's Brayden. I'm going to give you a quick recap over the Miami-Louisville game. The Miami-Louisville game final score was 47-34, which was surprising for the fact that I thought Louisville would put up a little more of a fight. But now this boosts Miami's records to 2-0 while Louisville's 1-1. A big factor in the game was Miami's offense. Derek King the tra- um, threw for 325 yards with three Ds, 
three t- touchdowns and no picks. Miami's lead runner was Karrion Ron Harris with 134 yards and one touchdown and with nine carries. As good as Miami's offense was, Louisville's defense was terrible. Louisville gave up too many big plays. They couldn't cause a turnover, and they could not just stop them. Derrick King had an amazing game, which didn't help them. On the other side of the football, Louisville's quarterback threw for 307 yards with three, three touchdowns and one pick. Tredavion Hobson rushed for 164 yards and one touchdown. If we really look back at this game, the turning point was that Louisville's defense was bad and Miami had a great game on offense. Moving forward, Miami plays four state, and I'm going to be biased about this one and say it's a close game. But in the meaning, I don't think it will. But I think Florida State will put up a fight with Mike Norvell being his second game at Florida State. Louisville plays Pittsburgh, which could be a turning point in the season. Pittsburgh had a great game last week, and this could be big. Because if Louisville can win this game, then they could turn around and just say that Miami's loss was a fluke. But if they lose, then they could say – and then people could – really say, is this a Louisville team that we thought they were going to be? Signing out, now it's Charlie Graff. Hello, this is Charlie Graff, and we're going to talk about the Oklahoma State Cowboys versus the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes. This was almost an upset alert as Tulsa led going into the fourth quarter. Oklahoma State had 13 unanswered points after that. Oklahoma State quarterback Spencer Sanders got injured in the first quarter and did not return. They were led by Chuba Hubbard in the run game. The turning point of the game was when he had the three-yard rush touchdown that made the score 10-3, and Oklahoma State took all advantage. Chuba is by far the best running back in the Big 12 and almost the FBS with Travis Etienne of Clemson. Chuba failed to reach 100 yards for the first time in 11 games. Oklahoma State moves down to number 15 after almost getting upset by Tulsa. For Tulsa, their division is no joke, even though they don't play in the Power Five. They play in the American Conference, which has some ranked teams, including number 13 UCF, number 14 Cincinnati, number 17 Memphis. It also features the University of Houston Cougars, who played their first game on Saturday versus the North Texas Mean Green. Both teams, especially Oklahoma State, need to play better going forward. Oklahoma State almost got upset by a ranked team at home. Oklahoma Tulsa plays the Arkansas State Red Bulls on Saturday at 2.30 on ESPN2. Oklahoma State plays the West Virginia Mountaineers on Saturday. Oklahoma State's best receiver, Tylen Wallace, had four receptions for 94 yards. Oklahoma State moving down after almost getting upset. The, Big 12, the new Big 12 rankings are number three, Oklahoma, number eight, Texas, and number 15, Oklahoma State followed by unranked teams Baylor and TCU. At the start of the game, Oklahoma State was favored by 24, but only won by 9. The game had 26% capacity and 15,000 fans at Boone Pickens Stadium in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Signing off for now, Harley Graff. And now we're going to give our player predictions. Weston, do you want to go first? So, you know, I, I honestly, I'm biased all day. I want to say Clemson's going to be number one. I don't feel like that's going to be true. Um, I, I feel like Clemson's going to be up there. Um, I think they're number three, number two. 
Um, I think Oklahoma's also going to be up there. Oklahoma's going to be number two. Clemson's going to be number three. Ohio State's going to be number four. And Alabama's going to be number one. Uh, but Alabama hasn't played yet. And so, really, it could all influence it based on these coming weeks. Prediction for now. Not Charlie, do you want to give yours? My playoff picks are number one is going to be Alabama, just because they're in the SEC, and it's just a lot easier than the ACC. They'll play teams like Georgia and LSU, who aren't that easy. I'm putting Clemson at number two just because they're still that good. They still play some ranked teams like Notre Dame in North Carolina. Number three is Ohio State. I just think there's no other team that can win the Big Ten, except for maybe Penn State, but no, Ohio State's better with Justin Fields. Number four, as much as I want to say Texas is going to win the Big 12, it's going to be Oklahoma. Spencer Rattler played like a Heisman candidate against Missouri State, and they're just really good. Now it's me. I will get mine. I think there's going to be five teams in the race, and here it goes. I think number one, it goes Alabama. Alabama will get number one because they have a harder schedule than Clemson. If they can win out and win the SEC, they deserve to put number one. Not saying that Clemson's bad. It's just Clemson has a lot easier schedule, and schedule matters a lot. Because Alabama plays LSU, which no one knows how good they would be, and Georgia, and Florida, and A&M could be good. Um, Number two, I got Clemson. Clemson could – easily be number one if Notre Dame steps up and becomes a legitimate candidate. But I give them number two because their schedule's easier. No hate. It's just Alabama. If Alabama wins out and Clemson wins out, I think you got to give it to Alabama. Number three for me, I have to go with Ohio State. I think if you win the Big Ten, you, you're you in the conference. Um, You're in the playoffs. But I think there's one – I think there's two teams that are the only two teams that could win the Big Ten is Michigan and Penn State. I'm not saying that's likely, but I think Justin Fields will carry the Ohio State to number three. Number four for me is controversial. It depends. I have Oklahoma and Georgia. If Oklahoma wins the Big Ten and goes undefeated – I mean, if they win out and go undefeated, they'll get in. But if they lose one game and Georgia loses one game, I think Georgia could get in. Georgia has a different team this year. Um, they have a new QB who I think is very talented and played for a terrible team last year in Wake Forest. But I'll end up giving it to um, Oklahoma just because they have an easier chance of getting in if, because if they win their conference. While Georgia has a tough schedule, and you have to remember that they still have Alabama – who I predict to go number one. Yeah, we need to be aware that Oklahoma is going to play Texas twice, and it's likely that Oklahoma-Texas is the Big 12 championship this year. If yeah, I, I agree with that. The, listen, the thing is, if Oklahoma wins, loses once, because it kind of depends. The bigger game's a conference. As much as they're the same game, the bigger game's a conference. People will look at the conference because it's the end of the year, and they're going to say – if, because if Oklahoma loses that one and Texas wins that one, then I think Texas could jump spot. But if Oklahoma loses the first game they play and they win the second one, I think they're fine. I think they're in. Yeah, they play on October 10th at the Cotton Bowl. The, um, 
saying that Texas wins that, but Big 12, but Oklahoma wins the Big 12 championship. They are likely to make the playoffs. Okay, so now, now who wins it all? Because my, what are your seeds? Because one and one and four play two and three. I think Alabama is going to easily beat Oklahoma, but Clemson, Ohio State, for the third time, could be a great game. Um, could be a great game. What bowl? So which one is this? What are they playing? Is this the Sugar Bowl? I don't know. They rotate, but for mine, I gotta go. It's Alabama versus Ohio State. I think that could be a good game, but I think Alabama wins. Are we playing Clemson? Oh. Clemson over Oklahoma slash Georgia. I go with Clemson, and I think it's going to be an Alabama-Clemson game. I think it really depends about who steps up for me. Because if Trevor Lawrence steps up and beats the senior, but Alabama has some great young quarterbacks. And their defense is nasty. I think it all depends. I'll go Clemson just because Trevor Lawrence's experience. But if Alabama's QB can step up, yeah. Then they they can win it. They're talented everywhere on the field. Yeah, Mac Jones. I mean, when you're looking at Georgia's schedule, they have like a slightly harder schedule than Oklahoma, but I feel like Oklahoma is a slightly better. I think so because Mitchell Rattler did look good. No, yeah, if Alabama, so I, if Alabama I loses one game, and that's the it thing. depends. It depends if Oklahoma's defense is back because remember last year though, yeah. the defense was awful. And they got carried by their offense. Oklahoma as an offensive team because of their quarterbacks, Baker, Kyler, and James. Yeah. If Oklahoma's D steps up, they could be a legitimate candidate. Yeah. Their offense, is, their offense is always good. They always have a top wide receiver. And quarterback. And quarterback. They're running back. They need to get their defense. They need to get their defense. Oh, yeah. They need to get their defense. You can't rely on, you can't rely on your offense. Because the but reason I, I said know. Georgia is Georgia's defense was nasty last year. They were. Jake Phillips was not that good last year. He was not that good. But you know they Georgia had, always going to have a good running back. Georgia will always have a good running back in defense. And the reason I think that Georgia could make a push is because I think their new quarterback's a lot more talented. I saw some highlights. He played for Wake Forest. Wake Forest is awful, and he still looks good. I think the way that Georgia and Alabama both make the playoffs is if Alabama gets undefeated, but they lose the SEC championship. Yeah. And And Georgia Georgia wins the SEC with one loss. Yeah, that's the thing. Georgia and Alabama always play each other twice in my opinion. Somehow I feel like Oklahoma is just going to beat out Georgia for that number four spot. The thing is, if I'm saying this, because Alabama beats Georgia in regular season and they lose in the championship. Yes. They're both one-loss teams. They're both Both one-loss teams. I still think Alabama gets it. And then I think that's the way they get in. And then I think if that happens, then Clemson bumps up to the number one seed. And then Alabama drops to number two. I think you so can I say think, that Clemson and Ohio State are both locks to make it. Yeah, so I think, I think Clemson's locked. I think Clemson Clemson has Ohio. to win against Notre Dame. No one knows yeah. about Notre Dame. They're we, they're a weird team. They played Clemson yeah. in the um, playoff two years ago, and they got blown out. So and I think Clemson, that's why Ohio, Ohio State has Michigan is the one guy team that I'm worried about. Because I think Michigan's coach, um, 
Harbaugh will is fans are mad at him. Fans, he's on the hot seat. Winning the game against Ohio State, and I think he needs to win. He can't win any good game, yeah. and whenever they're good, like they're talented. They're good. Sometimes. They lose to Ohio State. They're good. Yeah. They're they underperform in the Ohio State game. Yeah, and I feel like Justin Fields this year can snap Ohio State's um. Heisman streak. I mean, he could snag it. He could snag it. I mean, Dwayne Haskins and JT Barrett were borderline Heisman candidates. But what Justin Haskins was, was, Dwayne Haskins doing awful in the But in the, the, next week, the next week, the big games are Kentucky, um, Kentucky Auburn, um, Oklahoma plays Kansas State. Kansas State wasn't bad last year. They Texas, beat them. They beat Texas, them. Texas Tech. Louisville, Pittsburgh, and my probably the game I'm going to cover for State Miami. Yeah, I think though, like Kansas State upset Oklahoma last year, so you never know. Yes, yes, that happened last year. I remember watching that. It was like I don't know why LSU plays a bad team, but Michigan State. I want to see how LSU does with Al Joe Burrow. I don't know why I remember this. I was eating lunch before the World Series, and I remember. Them getting upset. Okay, so guys, those are our picks. You know, that's what we're doing. This is uh, Weston, Raiden, and Charles signing off. All right, I'm here with another soccer segment. What's the name of y'all's segment? The Global Home of Soccer. Global home of soccer. So I'm guessing you're not going to be talking about MLS. Every single kind of leagues. Okay. Like, yeah. Like and we're going to be talking about have, news. Uh, I'm sorry. We're going to be talking about news that happened in soccer and like past games and like how they played and stuff. Okay, cool. Um, so we have David, Daniel, and Gerardo, and um, so yeah, which uh, which what's the news for this week? So. It's about like we talked about like people leaving and like rumors about Messi leaving. We talked about Suarez that he left to Atletico Madrid, and then Arturo Vidal he left to Inter Milan. And then we talk about like their main problems that we're having um this this past season. Okay. We also talked about how like it was crazy for, for to hear that because we grew up watching them, and right. they were. Our idols and like our the stupid superstars. Mm-hmm. Hearing that they left is just crazy, crazy to hear. So y'all focus more on like La Liga this time. Yes, this like, been, yeah. All right. Did anybody watch the uh, Dynamo game last night? Yeah, I was. I watched it. They beat us so bad. <laughs> it was brutal, man. Four yeah. to nil. That was terrible. And it, you know, it should have been like. Maybe even five or six to nil, but VAR yeah. took a couple yeah, of they, goals away. Yeah, and the referee went to the little screen to watch the penalty. Yeah. Oh, no. The yeah. one that the Dynamo saved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they then they got a he came off his line and they got the redo the penalty and they got yeah. another goal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a complete disaster last night. Yeah. Um, I hope the Dynamo play they play again on Saturday, so I hope they uh I think they play Nashville. 
Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. I hope they. Uh, I hope they've been playing better. I mean, the Dynamo aren't like a great team, but I feel like they've been playing better with new coach Tab Ramos. But man, last night was not a step in the right direction. And um, we thought we were gonna beat the Chicago. Yeah, they the Chicago hadn't even won in like five games, and then they dropped four goals on us last night. It was <laughs> it was very frustrating. Um, yeah. Well, hey, I'm excited to uh, talk some more soccer with you guys this year, and I'm excited to listen to your segment, and uh, thanks for the work that you've done. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Oh, no. Sorry. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Global Home of Soccer. And today we're going to be talking about one of the main problems Barcelona has been having this past season, one of them being Suarez leaving Barcelona, which is actually crazy. Because Atletico de Madrid didn't have to pay nothing to get Suarez out of there. And I wonder why. I wonder why they didn't have to pay nothing. Because, I mean, of course, everyone would pay a lot to have Suarez in their team. Maybe they had, like, a like a problem. I don't know. But I'll I'll be happy to find out in the future what, what was the problem that Suarez had and why he wanted to leave Barcelona. But another player that left was Messi. Messi was a huge player in Barcelona. And I don't know if he left for the money or I don't know. Maybe maybe because they lost 8-2, the final. And actually, Messi won six Ballon d'Ors in, in Barcelona. He literally played in Barcelona half of his life. He grew up there. And it's crazy watching him leave because I literally grew up watching Messi play. He was like my idol. I lived up to play like him. And watching him leave is like kind of sad and like heartbreaking because literally grew up watching him every Saturday when literally played at two every Saturday. And it's weird. Not, Barcelona's not going to be the same no more. And I heard rumors about he was going to move to Juventus. That's actually pretty weird because they got two stars in Juventus, which is Dybala and Cristiano Ronaldo. And the whole rivalry is Cristiano Ronaldo against Messi. And watching both of them playing the same team, that's just kind of weird. And I feel like it's going to be kind of hard for Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo because both of them play strikers, which is the same position. And both of them, like, they don't, they're not really team players. They like to take the ball a lot more. And it will be hard for them to play in the same team. And I'll pass it down to Gerardo. Oh. So, you know, we're talking about uh, people leaving Barcelona. So we have uh, Arturo Bidal that left um, to Inter Milan um, just about, I think, around this week. Yeah, this week um, he left or he got offered and um, he took that offer. I mean, he can still reject um, that offer. He doesn't want to, but I'm pretty sure he's going to stay there. Um, I think it was uh, about 1 million euros. And so I think that should be a good one. You know, he did do some good stuff for Barcelona. You know, he's a really good player. I mean, but I don't think he just didn't fit well with Barcelona. I mean, I think he was in Juventus. I think he did really good there. I think he could have done maybe some stuff better. You know, but now um he has on is an Inter Milan. So I mean, I think um they needed some help because. The team is not like the great, um, but they do have some good players in there. Just that maybe could help them just go 
go up on the leaderboards. So yeah, and also, you know, he was uh from Chile. You know, his man, his head coach from Chile, said that it was gonna be a good decision for Inter um um offering this this sign. So I mean, he did like okay. He I don't think he was like a like you know like a Messi or like you know someone like really good like a. He was a midfielder, so I'm pretty sure he was just like um a team player, you know, passes about a defense or two forward, you know. He did his score, he scored about 10 goals, so you know, about that team player. He just was thinking about team, not himself, like scoring goals. I think that part mattered to him. So I think he was um good player and had good manners because usually people just want to score goals. So I think as a midfielder, you have to think also about your defense and your forwards. You know, if they have the better opportunity than you, pass it them. Then if you defense you see had in trouble, just go help them down there. But you know, um, he did score um um like three goals um against Real Madrid, so that was really good. Um, also he did really good in. in his international team, uh, I think that's really good about him. So I think this decision is about good for him because he, I think he got more money. You know, he can go help like another team. I don't think he's gonna stay here for the rest of his life or his soccer life. But you know, he could maybe someone else offers him a bigger um offer and this. Um, to get more with no more people there, so he has more chemistry already. Then we know if you meet new people, you're not gonna know them as well. So maybe he chooses another team with like another like teammate he's been before, or like from a Chile team, from his Chile team. So I think uh, I don't know if this decision was good, but I think it was actually. So yeah, you know, Messi. If Messi leaves, I don't know. He's probably. I don't know, you know, because we sent people leaving. So I don't know if they're going to find replacements and be the same team again. Because, you know, Messi is one of their biggest stars ever. They had it there. You know, they had, like, some old players that were really good. But, you know, they were too old now. They have to leave. They don't have the same reaction time or anything. So, I mean, Messi has been there almost his whole life since he was, like, around 13. Because... They had an eye on him when he was in Argentina. He played really well, so you know they had to get him. And he just grew up there, you know, like um, Daniel said. I also grew up watching him every time, you know. I just talked about my friends about him. You know, it was really it's gonna be really hard if he actually leaves for Barcelona because I don't he they might find a replacement for him, but not someone as well um, as well to get the job done as well as he did, because you know. I mean, um, he did really good, you know. He has, like, best, most, I think, most goals in Barcelona. Um legend for Barcelona. Yeah. Um, He's, like, really good. He knows everyone so well. You know, people love him in Barcelona. I don't think people want to see him and another team apart from Barcelona. So, you know, it's going to be hard for finding replacements for these people that are leaving. But I think they could find someone better. So now we're going to pass it to David. 
Hey guys, so we're gonna be talking about um one of the things we're gonna be talking about is the Trumpers and the Barcelona problems. So first we're gonna be talking about the Barcelona problems. So last season, as you guys saw, they didn't even win the Champions League, Copa del Rey, the Liga, nothing guys. One of I think one of the problem was the coach. One of the main problems was the coach. And I think he um he um he wanted to to Barcelona to be more defense and you know guys so but if I ever be a coach of Barcelona I'll be like midfield attacking maybe um offensive midfielders maybe I don't know but as like my friend um Gerardo said if you are if you are a um, midfielder you have to think about defense and attacking but more defense I think and and if Messi ever leaves I'll be so sad as my friends here because I saw I grew up watching him every single day I talked about him he he was my idol for in soccer and I I wish he'd never leave soccer but you know it is what it is and um I think he if I think a good replacement for for um for Messi would be Ansu Fati because he um he's 17 he already scored um like he already scored like three goals in the Champions League or two I don't know maybe and he he he's next he he's next match is gonna be against uh, Barcelona against Villarreal but I think they're gonna play good maybe on um, then we're gonna be talking about transfers and the latest transfers are um um hold on, hold on. oh so the main the one of the main transfers was Luis Suarez like my friend um Daniel said that he left for zero euros. Yeah, you guys heard it right. Zero euros. He he got for for free transferred. And everybody was sad about it. Even I was sad because going I grew up watching Messi, Luis Suarez, Neymar all together. But now that we see them uh, they separate. Not even they Messi has stayed. He might be leaving next season. But Messi left. I mean, not Messi. <laughs> Neymar left. Um, Suarez left. So it's, the team is gonna be um, on Messi's back. It's not gonna be fair. Um, and uh, and I heard too that um, Havertz from Bayern Leverkusen um, transfer her. They transfer him from Bayern Leverkusen to Chelsea. He already did his his first game with them, and he played pretty good. Um, and I wish they have a good season. Barcelona has to; they need to get a, a better season this season because the team is playing kind of bad this last season. 
the 2017, they were, they, I think they only won the Copa Array or something, but they need to start winning more. Um, in the in the 2018, 2019, uh, they won the Liga, but what about now? Like, they need to start playing better. The This last season, they didn't even want no trophies, no awards, nothing, guys. So, that's it for me, and thank you guys for listening. All right, we are here with Caleb, Jace, and Ethan, and this is a this is a baseball segment, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. All right, um, tell us a little bit. What's the name of your segment? The Lone Strows. The Lone Strows. Okay, so it's focused on the Astros. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, what's the latest news on the Astros? Uh, we recapped the Astros versus Diamondback series. Yeah. We talked about game on the games on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah. Okay. And how did those games go for the Astros? Uh, I think the they went pretty Jordan. well. Yeah. They yeah they played good. They had a pretty uh, good comeback on game three. Okay. Yeah. Are they are they going to make the playoffs? I don't think they are. Are they? Yeah, I don't think they are either. Yeah, they're not looking good right now. Yeah, I don't think so. What What's up with that? What's up with Jose Altuve? Why can't he hit this year? I mean, I think all the like media is getting to his head and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Do you think it has anything to do with the trash can stuff? Yeah, probably. Mm. I mean, they, they just you know yeah. after that they didn't really like none of them are hitting except Brantley and. Springer, really, so, I mean... Yeah, Springer's yeah really it was good. like, a lot of people are talking about how they don't think they can really hit well without the trash cans. Like, it was kind of helping them a lot when they use them. Wow. That's, uh, that's crazy, right? Do you think the th- they're so... I mean, I guess it is kind of easier to hit if you know what pitch is coming, right? Yeah, yeah. like, you're yeah. prepared for it. Yeah, hmm. I wonder if it. I wonder how much it really has affected them. That that's interesting. Mm. Yeah. It well, is. Um, I'm not an Astros fan, so it's fine for me to kind of poke fun at the trash can thing. But uh, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of interesting how they've how they've fallen from. I mean, they went to the. They've almost been in the World Series three years in a row, and now um, they're going to miss the playoffs. Even though this is a weird certainly a weird season where they're not going to play a full 162 games. Um, and they did lose their best picture pitcher to the, to the Yankees. So maybe they'll get it together in the off season yeah. back next year. For sure. I mean, I, everyone, a lot of people are going through free agency after this season. So get back. Well, um, I'm excited to hear y'all's segment. I'm glad we have a baseball segment. So uh, thank you guys for taking that upon your shoulders. And um, yeah, here we go. Thank you. Hi, my name is Coach Carter. Hello, my name is Ethan Pugari. 
And my name is Jace Pearson. And today we're going to be talking about the Astros versus Diamondbacks series. Uh, starting in game one, the Astros lost six to three. The first inning was pretty good for them. They had two men on base. Uh, it was a pass ball, and George Springer ran home and got safe. So Astros went up one nothing. And then they actually went up two nothing, but Cal Cahoon, who was just on fire this series, hit a three-run homer. They gave him the lead, and that just gave him a lot of momentum, I felt like. And it just kind of just left us in the dust and just started getting a run after run. George Springer and Michael Brantley were pretty good this series. Like, I mean, they're they just – they're good. Like, they're, they're probably the best hitters on the team right now. That's what I would say. So, yeah. Game two. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, for game two, the Astros were able to pull off a win with the final score being two to three. Jose Altuve and Kyle Tucker provided clutch RBIs in the sixth inning to lead the Astros to a three to two comeback win over the D-backs. By the third inning, the Astros were still down two to zero, but by the fourth, the score changed when the Astros scored, so it was now a two to one game. Then in the seventh inning, the score was now three to two with the Astros in the lead, and they were able to pull off that win. Yeah, that comeback was pretty good. I can't believe they pulled that off. I mean, just three. Mm-hmm, after I'm not surprised the running backs didn't come back, honestly. Mm, yeah. They only really need to score two runs. So, yeah. Our pitching, our, I think our pitching is pretty good. Yeah, our batting is just, you know, not there right now. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so for game three, the Diamondbacks, um, the Astros won. The final score was three for the Astros and two for the Diamondbacks. And, um, Nothing really happened for the first, second, and third inning. At the top of the fourth, Escobar grounded into double play. Second baseman Altuve to shortstop created a first baseman. Uriel Smith scored. Walker to third and count out. And on the top of the fifth, Ahmed homered on an 0-1 count for the Diamondbacks. In the bottom of the sixth inning, in the Astros, Springer hit an inside-the-park home run to center on a one two count and in the bottom of the seventh inning for the Astros, Springer Roman Springer and Homer to the right on a full count. Bottom of the eighth, Korea hit a sacrifice fly to right field, count out, Bregman scored and Brantley Brantley to third. Yeah. The last thing for the last game um, three two is pretty close game. Like Oh, yeah, it was a close game. I'm, I'm, the pitching, uh, I feel like this series really helped us. I mean, we're just not hitting. Yeah. I, mean, I think if we were hitting, then we would uh, probably win all three. Yeah. First game, like, Brantley and Springer, they have, like, two good hits. That, that's basically it. Yeah, right. Springer did good. Yeah. 
Springer's just been Springer and Burnley. I mean, they're hitting good right now. We see like like Altuve and Correa and just everyone else, you know, step up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the pitching is definitely good though. Brinky had a good game. Uh, yeah, I think it was good throughout this whole um, series against them. Mm-hmm. So, what, what do you guys think? Uh, who was like, you know, the best, probably the best in, you know, um, best performance? Because in the yeah, first game, like everyone, like, team. I think Kyle Cahoon was probably the best in the first game. He hit all it. Yeah, he he's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I think he hit for every game or something like that. He at least hit him in two. So he definitely did pretty good. Yeah, he did good that game. Yeah. Yeah, Brantley hit this uh one hit that went all the way to the left center wall in like what the first game, first or in the beginning of the game sometime. So yeah, that was. I mean, he only got a single out of it because it bounced it bounced off the wall, and he probably thought it was. Yeah, I mean they just got in pretty quick, so yeah, he only got a single out of it. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Who do you guys think uh, was kind of the best player for the game on Saturday? Game on, uh, I don't know. Probably like combined really effort. Body, I think it's probably combined effort from George Springer. Oh well, yeah, I guess. Altuve did that have a home run that game. Yeah, I think Jose Altuve yeah. did that game. Yeah, Altuve and Tucker, I mean, they, they led that comeback. They, they were pretty Yes, good. for that game, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they do that every game, then we would be, we would be making the playoffs. I mean, I don't know if we're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I think that game was really good out of the games that we did. Yeah. And for the third game, I think it's – Springer probably did the best. He got those two homers. But, mm, yeah. And he basically led that comeback. Yeah. It wasn't big, but, yeah, he led it. Yeah, for sure. Down two in the fifth inning. Yeah. I mean, I just... I mean, I feel like the Astros, they have, like, so much potential right now. I mean, they always did, right? I mean, their pitching is really yeah. I mean, Verlander is yeah, the really season. Because of, you know, he has Tommy John, right? So, he's getting Tommy John surgery. You know I mean? So, he's going to be out for a while. Yeah, so, I think yeah, we... These other pitchers, like, Ricky and... Uh, who pitched uh, Saturday? You know, um, I think I have it. Yeah, I don't. I can't remember who pitched Saturday, but I mean, the, the starters are definitely gonna be getting a lot of playing time. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I was. Yeah. Um, for the pitching, it was um, pitching was it says Luke Weaver and yep. Curry Mella and Yon Lopez. I'm not yeah. sure if that's how you pronounce his name. Yeah, that was the Man. pitching. Yeah. They're 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 looking like. Yeah, like the I think the second game is probably the best out of. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's just the Diamondbacks pitching. The Astros had Christian Javier, Inoli Pardes, Josh James, Brooks Riley, and Ryan Presley for the Astros pitching. Yeah, Presley pitched game two. Yeah, it was a pretty good game. Yeah, game two is probably the best game they had. I mean, yeah. Especially, like, you know. I think we've summed up a lot from the game. We all feel if the whole team just starts hitting, we'll be good. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. I think we're going to wrap it up there, guys. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. All right, we're here with um, this is an NFL segment, right? Yep. All right, what's the name of y'all segment? We're t- every week we're gonna talk about the Monday night game. Oh, what's- the Monday night game. Okay. And we got Palmer, Charles, Max, and Matthew. Okay, so uh, tell us a little bit about your segment. All right. Well, um, we did. Sure, you can. I'll just start it off. Uh, so basically, we were talking about like all the um, if the receivers were good or not, if the players were good or not, and how good the odds were if the Saints were to win. Like we we were just. Basically analyzing the game and seeing how everything turned out. So you you talked about the Saints and the Raiders game. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, so the so the Raiders won that game, right? And they're. I'm disappointed yeah. in the Saints. Their new stadium. Mhm. Yeah. What's what's up with the Saints' offense? Is uh, is Drew Brees getting too old or something? Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. He has to be getting too and old. Michael Thomas this whole year has three receptions. Oh, yeah, Michael Thomas is kind of banged up. He didn't play Monday, right? So maybe that kind of limits the uh, Saints' offensive firepower. Probably. You still have Alvin Kamara, though. I mean, that guy just, all he does is rack up yards, right? Raiders should not score 30 point, 34 points either. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like... um. Dead average. Not yeah, great. it seemed like the Raiders' uh, offense kind of figured out the Saints' defense there after about the... First quarter or so? Yeah. Awesome. Um, so, what's the Monday night game this week? Uh, it is Raiders versus, I mean, Ravens no, versus Ravens versus Ravens, Ravens versus Chiefs. Chiefs. I got the Ravens winning by seven. Okay. Any other predictions? The, the Chiefs uh, I, are going to win. Feel like, I feel like the Chiefs could come out on top. Of course they are. You said that last week, and I said... Uh, Seattle is going to beat the Patriots. I told huh. you. I never thought the Patriots were going to win. Well, I guess we'll find out in a few days. Um, the Patriots are losing their flair. Segment. What's that? 
The Patriots are losing their flair. Well, well, they don't have Tom Brady anymore, so... Cam Newton's going to fit. finally fun to watch them. Yeah. The it'll, last it'll be play. interesting to see how that progresses through the season if uh, if yeah. Cam's able to stay healthy and keep running the ball like he is. I don't agree with the last play that they did. Just running the ball with Cam. I would have just lobbed it up in the corner, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to... It's definitely easy to sit here that now that the game's over and say they should have done something different. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I play football, so I know how that feels. Yeah. I play basketball, and then, but I like football. I play tackle football. Well, um, thank you guys for the work that you've done, and I'm excited to listen to your segment this week. Okay, thank, thank you. you. Uh, what's up, guys? It is Max Miller here with the MNF podcast. This is for the Monday night game against the Raiders and the Saints. We are going to talk about it with my three friends here, which is Palmer McNulty, Matthew Burley, and Charles Smith. Now I'm going to pass it on to Charles. All right, so... The Raiders won against the Saints 34-24 in a surprising win. I didn't know Reese was going to play that bad. Um, the run game by Josh Jacobs was pretty good, and the Raiders' offense played well. Okay, so let's talk about the quarterbacks now. So we had Derek Carr with almost 300 yards and three touchdowns. He played a great game. But on the other hand, Drew Brees seems like he isn't a great quarterback anymore. He's starting to play bad this year. Yeah, he's starting to lose his magical touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of tough because my uncle's favorite team is the Saints, and I'd hate to see it happen. Yeah. Hopefully they can get a – I mean, we don't really know yet whether it's going to be a good Hopefully or bad. they can clutch up and bring it back for the third game. Yep. Oh. All right, Palmer, it's your turn. Speak your mind, child. Okay, so in the first half, um, the Saints were up, and it looks like the Raiders almost had no hope. But then, starting to the uh, second half, the Raiders started scoring and scoring, and and they eventually closed the game 34 to 24 but that in the third in the third quarter that's whenever they really started i feel like they were almost in the zone there but the, and then the saints tried defending but they couldn't and i'm going to pass it on to max miller again all right so uh, let's just talk about, like, uh, the, the kind of scores they got. The Saints had that early game's touchdown with their, uh, re- receiver. That was pretty, pretty good. They was, got, they got seven points It was actually a, that. um, it was actually a touchdown by Alvin Kamara. He got a one-yard touchdown. Yeah, he's a receiver. Mm, no, it was the run. He's a running back. 
So oh, yes, he we got down to the one yard line. He scored. <laughs> never mind. But in the second quarter, the Saints they um they only scored one, which isn't bad. But the Raiders started to take over there. They got two touchdowns. Two the they were both from Derek Carr, and they got a twenty eight yard field goal. Third quarter, they got a Derek Carr threw another touchdown to Darren Waller, the tight end, and then Jalen Richard. Got a 20-yard run, and then Alvin Kamara came back with a three-yard run. These are for touchdowns, all of them. And then to seal it off, the Raiders kicker they had a 54-yard field goal. So it put it put them up by 10 instead of seven, which sealed it off. So, I mean, <laughs> Alvin Kamara had a good game with two touchdowns. Yeah, that was a pretty pretty good game from Alvin Kamara. Josh Jacobs seems, I don't know, he didn't really score, so that says something. Let's talk about the Raiders' defense. Raiders' defense. Their tackling was not that good. Their tackling was horrible, Uh, atrocious. Like, it, it took five people to bring down one thing. What's your input on this, Charles? Um, so, the second half was kind of bad for the Saints' defense. They just crumbled up. It wasn't good. Um, they allowed 17 points in the second half, which try and keep a team under 20 every game when you're playing defense. And they just didn't do that. Um, the running backs, especially Jacobs, did really well. I was surprised. Yeah, I feel like the Saints almost got too cocky in the um second half. I don't know end, yeah. about. I don't think they were cocky because it they was like fast. it was still a close game. I just think they couldn't really move the ball, or they just couldn't move it as well as the Raiders did. Yeah, the Raiders. Raiders, I feel like they had this burst of confidence. It seems like it was uh, not a close game, but if you look at it, if the Saints could have come back and scored after the Raiders did all those times. Yeah, all they had to do really was one touchdown and a field goal, they would have won. And uh, Now, then again, a touchdown is a little bit harder to get than just saying oh, a yeah. touchdown. The Raiders' defense obviously did pretty good. I mean, they stopped the Saints, which have a lot of weapons, Michael Thomas, Kamara, and Breeze. So you can say they look okay. And I mean, I mean, we have to stand to talk about the fact that Breeze has, like, three world records. I am, I am disagreeing with what you're saying. Holding them to 24 points is not impressive at all. They should yeah. score less than 20. They should not score more. Than no, they should score less than ten if you're gonna say they're holding they points. How much in the first half? Like, well, yeah, I guess 17? their defense is pretty trash. I mean, twenty-four, like, that's not good. I, well, I don't know I guess what you're talking about. Defense is really bad. They let a team like the Raiders, which are not even good, score thirty-four. <laughs> it's probably it's mostly their secondary, honestly. Yeah, the secondary yeah. was slow. They couldn't move the ball in the second half, and they just floated. They're like, there's no reason why the Saints should have lost that game. There's literally no reason. Derek Carr is a casual. 
<laughs> Damn, that was that was pretty pretty good for yeah see look they they both got the same amount of first downs like well the the raiders got like two more still won by 10 points yeah that's like a touchdown and a field goal listen listen new orleans got 424 total yards and they got and the raiders got 375 that's like 50 more yards i mean Damn. Raiders um got the small players and held the ball longer. I think I didn't check the stats, but I think they held the ball longer. And Saints just the uh, it's mostly because of Drew Brees. Like he's an uh, all-star quarterback, supposed to be playing amazing, but he, he didn't play great. Pretty bad. Just me for making this animal analogy but i feel like the saints were like bears and the raiders were like wolves and they they hunted in packs and it's like they tackled in packs they did their plays in packs and the saints were all like all uh, they were all like a one one on one like they they didn't they took like one person to tackle and I feel like that wolf strategy almost raiders. That I guess that's something. I think the Saints are relying too much on Breeze. Yeah. I think you gotta give Kamara the ball because think about it. Breeze is what like forty years old, bro. Like he's not. I, I don't able know. To get I out mean, Kamara, Kamara's still doing. He's doing really good. Michael I mean, Thomas, like, he's a good player and all, but nobody gives him the ball that much. Listen, listen. Michael Thomas is only doing bad because Drew Brees is doing bad. And, their o- and the Saints O-line is probably not good, seeing as he's having such a bad year. Yeah. It's like it's elementary just... football. Feed Kamara the ball. That's all you got to do. Because a lot. But Brees is playing the way he is. He's like playing average. Like, Look, he got he got thirteen carries. I mean, to be honest, I think Kamara deserves a better team than the Saints. I I feel like you can make an argument for that. I I to be honest, I really could because he's a good player, and I feel like the Saints are holding him back. What about Michael Thomas? He's like the best receiver in the league, and he has like. Don't, don't you guys find it kind of ironic that um that the Saints were doing so well last year, like they they almost made it to the Super Bowl, they were semifinals for playoffs, and now this year they're losing to a team that I don't even think made it to the playoffs. Well, the thing is, uh, you can't really judge a team on the first two games. Like they might have had the worst games of the season at the beginning for some reason or another. And then they're gonna come back, like like the Packers did a few years ago. Yeah. They had the horrible beginning of season, and they ended up making it like NFC championship or something like that. That's just. I'm just mad that, like, I wanted the Saints to win. You know what I feel like they should do for football, like in a couple years. What? Is make it to where like all the teams reset and everybody gets to pick who wants to be on their team for a that's certain just contract. Like, 
I don't think that's just it doesn't make sense though. And well, it it kind it of interesting. Like, it kind of does, cause like, cause like some of the teams are like tired of having bad players, and some some of the people are are have are tired of having bad teams. So they could go to what team they want to go. Is, the thing is, the, I mean, I don't know. It's some like of the real it's having a bad team, then they can get good. But like, I don't even know about that whole concept. Like what? Uh, what would happen if it was like that? Well, I mean, but of course, like, of course, like the the person, the person that owns the Dallas uh, Cowboys would literally buy every single good player because he has a ton of money. Well, no, but football is set up so it's like communist, so everybody gets the same amount of money. So, like, you get the same amount of money, and some players. I don't you can, even know if that's true, but it might be. No, they they do. It's not like soccer where no, but 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 da- the Dallas team's worth the most, so that means he has the most money. I don't think I think you can only spend a certain amount on salary cap now. They, I, they sal- I they think we've have- kind of guys, guys. I think we've kind of run out of things to say about the actual no. game that we're talking about. You still have you stuff to end say. it. Let's yeah. talk about next week's game. Ravens versus Chiefs. Who y'all got winning? We're sp- no, guys, guys. Ravens versus who? Guys, we already talked about our game. We don't need to talk. All about right. In all in all seriousness, I think it's time to end, guys. Thank you for listening. All right. Thank you for listening to MNF, aka Monday Night Football. See us next week. Peace out. Bye. Thank you. All right, we're here now with a soccer segment. Um, what's the name of y'all segment? Soccer Champions. Soccer Champions. And what did y'all talk about this week? We talked about the game between Chelsea and Liverpool. Oh, Chelsea and Liverpool. Um, as a Chelsea fan, I'm trying to forget about that game against Liverpool. Um, so, what? There was a uh, there was a penalty right before the half, right? Uh, uh, no, there was a penalty before in the seventy second minute, and actually, it was one of the first the the guy that took it. It was his first time missing a penalty kick in Chelsea. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I'm thinking of the uh, the red card right before halftime, where mm-hmm. Chelsea had to play with ten men for the rest of the game. It's very hard to play with ten men. Yeah, yeah, and uh, especially when you're playing against uh, Liverpool. The champions of the Premier League. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> they are Christopher. What what do you have to add, Christopher, Caesar? Are y'all there? Did y'all get kicked out of the meeting? Okay. Uh, we are what? Um, so this is a we are Christopher and Caesar. Um, what 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 game as are you looking forward to this week? Uh, we haven't looked into many games yet, but um, we'll look and hopefully we can find something good. Yeah. Who does? Uh, do you know who Chelsea plays this weekend? Uh, I'll. I have another computer right next to me, so I'll look. I got it. I got it right here. It's West Brom. It's one of those teams that just joined uh, the Premier League that just got promoted. So that should probably be three points for Chelsea, right? Mm. 
hopefully. Um, okay. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, listening to your segment, and um, I'm excited to talk about soccer. Did anybody watch the Dynamo game last night? Uh, no, I'm not that big of a fan for Dynamo. <laughs> well, that's a good thing for you because they lost uh, four to nil. So, uh, good call on that one. All right. Well, have a have a good segment, and uh, thank you for joining me. All right. champions i'm leor futa and i'm here with christian christopher and today we'll be talking about the game between chelsea and liverpool liverpool had one with a lead two zero today i'll be talking about liverpool and christian will be talking about Chelsea. Let's start off with the champions of the Premier League. Now, this team took it up a notch and really played to defend their title against Chelsea. Chelsea is one of the, has always been a strong team, but it was really... Liverpool and Chelsea are both strong teams, but Liverpool has a lot of strength. Let's focus on them right now. Liverpool. One of the biggest icons of the Premier League, one of the biggest clubs in soccer, where every year so many people try and get in, but Liverpool only accepts the best for the team. And this team is, is literally the one of the best teams that you'll ever see in in the whole in the whole career in the whole career in all of history in soccer. Let's talk about who scored. Now, this is the I really be, the first goal was beautiful. Our first goal was very, very beautiful, and we all need to we all need to take this in the thought. A beautiful header from number ten, Mani, right in the top right corner. But the way the play went was that Salah dribbled. Dribble the ball to his side, pass it to Firmino, the striker, and Firmino, Firmino crossed it straight to Mani, and he scored a beautiful header, and there was no chance that that keeper were saving it. The other one was a big mistake from Chelsea. Chelsea was getting pressured big time, and they passed it to the keeper, and Mani had pressed the keeper. When the keeper made a bad pass, Monty took advantage of that, took two touches, one to the side, and then he used the other one to shoot, and he had took, and then he had took, he had took Chelsea by surprise with that goal. Now, that was a mistake of the keeper, but then Liverpool had continued pressing. They had, they had 63% of the ball, they had 63% of possession. Liverpool barely got it. I mean, Chelsea barely got it. So, now, let's look at some other things about Liverpool. Liverpool had defended strong. And they brought in a new player. Fresh from from Bayern Munich, the champions of the Champions League. 
And, uh, number six, he's extremely good. He he always was. He'll always be. He's always in the right area. He almost scored. You you don't get a player like this every day. I think he'll be making it to the to the starting lineup and very very soon. Anyway, Christopher, let's go to you now with Chelsea. Yes, I'm here with Leo and Chelsea. Chelsea's a great team, as Leo was saying. And then Mane scored. If you didn't know who got a red card for Chelsea, it was Andreas Christensen. He fouled money in the 45th minute of the match. All right, that was what Christian had. Chelsea didn't have a lot. Do but Chelsea got close many many times. They they missed a penalty kick. In fact, Allison had blocked had blocked one of the first penalty the first penalty kick in a in a player in one of the first in the players of Chelsea. One of the first players in Chelsea missed their first penalty kick. Allison saved it, and he got to give him credit. He didn't rush like other keepers. He wait to see. He would wait to see where the ball would go, and then that's where he would go. Now this guy, now Allison, he he's such a good goalkeeper. He's always had. He's always been there. You can always see it. He might have not been well known when he first in, in twenty fifteen, but he's become one of the best goalkeepers. No doubt. This the defense the defense was better was better for Liverpool, better than their last game. Liverpool had surprised all of us. Now, the way that Liverpool played two days ago, that's the iconic Liverpool that we all know and wants to win. Liverpool has always been that strong team that we all look up to and all we all want to make it to if you play soccer. But Chelsea's also one of those teams too. So 
Liverpool, so Liverpool has just has shows that it's keeping it's keeping its title. It's gonna keep it no matter what. You could a team could get could get all the good players. It doesn't matter. Liverpool could still come out top in the Premier League, but maybe not next year. We'll see what has to come. But anyways, this is this game has been one of the biggest games in the Premier League season. Right now, Liverpool. Before the game, Liverpool was in sixth place, and and Chelsea was in third. So Chelsea is. So Chelsea's. So Chelsea's position in the Premier League just went down. I think the only team that Liverpool has to fear right now is Arsenal. They're they they're winning. The way that they play in their first game is unbelievable. That's a dangerous team. So Arsenal is 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 literally Liverpool's only threat. And who knows? Maybe maybe could even maybe the two rivals. Maybe the two rivals of from. I'm not on. Uh, now, the only, the only, another team that Liverpool has to, should probably be scared of is Man City. Anyways, this is Soccer Champions, and I'm Leo Futa signing out. All right, we are here with an NFL segment. I think this NFL segment is mostly focused on the uh, New England Patriots, or maybe I should say Cam Newton. Um, who do we got in here today? We got Michaela, Madison, and Eli. How y'all doing? We're doing fine. Good. Right, uh, tell us about your segment. Um, What'd y'all talk about? Uh, we just had on the game with the Patriots and the Seahawks, who finished with the final score of 35 30. Okay. Um, tough game for the Patriots, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Russell, Russell Wilson is like playing out of his he's, mind right now. Yeah, he's here. He's good. Yeah. What about that last play of the game? I mean, should should they had ran? Should they have ran um, Cam up the middle like that, or should they have faked the run and tossed it to the tight end? What do you think? Yeah, they should have faked it. It would have been more better. Well, I mean, it's it's easy to say that now, now that we know that Cam got stopped. But right, I mean, it was working throughout the whole game, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. What about you, Eli? What do you think? Eli, are you there? Did we lose Eli? Okay. What? Uh, who did the Patriots play this weekend? 
Who you said? Who do they? Play? Yeah, who do they play? Uh, the Raiders. Raiders uh, at New England or at Las Vegas? Um, I, I want to say New England. England. Yeah. What What do y'all think is gonna happen in that one? I mean, I seen the Raiders versus Saints game. It was pretty good. So might be a little competitive. Mm-hmm. Think that? Do you think the Patriots can slow down Josh Jacobs? Nah. I, I need to know because I, I have the Patriots defense and Josh Jacobs in my fantasy league, and I need I need to know which one to bench this week. So y'all don't have any insight? Nah. Jeez, thanks a lot. <laughs> All right. EY, did you come back yet or no? Oh, yeah, I've been here. Did you, uh, did you watch the Patriots game this weekend, last weekend? No. No? Do you have it- any... Do you have any insight to uh, this week's game or anything? Well, I mean, who are they playing exactly? They're playing the Raiders. Honestly, I just feel that... I'm really bad at this stuff. (laughs) Why are you bad? Nobody said you're bad. You're not bad at it. I know. I just don't honestly know anything about any sport at all. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, this is a good place to learn. I guess. Okay. Well, let's uh, make sure we watch the Patriots game if we can. If not, let's watch the highlights, and then we'll talk more um, next week. All right. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you. This is Madison Williams, the CEO and founder of the Patriots Takeover, and I want to personally welcome and thank you for joining us today. We're really glad you're here because this podcast is dying for you, our Patriots community. And now, here's your host, Michaela Williams. Thank you, Madison. As I might say, this game was like a movie. Russ and Cam had good passes, but at the end, it all came down to one team. That is exactly right. In the first quarter, Russ threw a bad pick to Patriots safety Devin McCourney that led the Patriots to an easy touchdown, putting up the score 7-0. Russ later ran straight through the middle of the Patriots' D, giving them a lot of yards up for to get to the end zone. Tyler Lockett caught a tough pass from Russell into the touchdown, tying the score 7-7. It's the Patriots' turn now, and Cam forced a fourth down, but Nikhil Harry caught a pass from Newton for the first down to get upfield for the Patriots. Once upfield, Newton ran inside the end zone for an easy touchdown. Going into the second quarter, kickoff by the Patriots, Seahawks running back Travis Homer ran a 44-yard kick return. Patriots defense led by Terrence Brooks and Kyle Duggar forced a fourth down for the Seahawks. The Patriots then got a third down after the next couple plays, and the Hawks defense forced New England to also get a fourth down, giving up the ball back to Seattle. Wilson then threw a long hair Mary to DK Metcalf for a touchdown, tying the score at 14-14. Seattle's defense is incredible forcing another fourth down on New England, making them punt the ball into the field goal. Nick Falk, kicking for the Patriots, missed the entire field goal, making the ball go wide left. Once Seattle got the ball back, they made bad plays, which made Wilson force another fourth down, letting New England make a play. New England now has the ball and has moved closer to the end zone. They are at a third down and Cameron's making decisions either to pass it or run it. He runs it and gets tackled, making a fourth down, so kicker Nick Folk comes on field and makes a three extra point field goal, making the score 17-14. Seattle's running back, Chris Carson, is just unstoppable. He broke two tackles and is very fast. He's real strong on the offensive end. Russell has once again thrown another long hand Mary to his wide receiver, David Moore giving them a 21-17 lead. 
On the second down for the Patriots, Cam threw an interception picked off by the Hawks cornerback, Quentin Dunbar. Back to the Seattle's territory, Russell almost got tackled but find his open man, Freddie Swain, for an easy open touchdown with the score 28-17. After that touchdown, Cam knew what to do. He threw a straight far pass to Edelman downfield. Once they got closer to the end zone, Newton finds Jacob Johnson for the touchdown, creating a score of 23-28. But they don't punt the ball for the extra points. Instead, they try to make a two-point attempt and fails to get it. Heading into the fourth quarter, Seahawks are already not doing good, forcing third downs and got a fourth down, turning the ball over for the Patriots to get a chance to up the score. Once the Patriots got the ball, Newton made bad passes, causing the Patriots to get a fourth down by Seahawks strong safety Jamal Adams. Russell then makes a big play, passing the ball to his running back, Chris Carson, giving the Seahawks a big turn in the game, scored 35-23. Next play is Newton with a run-in touchdown, making the score 35-30. Now, Seattle's on a third down in the fourth quarter, and Russell throws a long ball to Lockett, who dropped the ball, giving the Patriots a good chance to play catch-up. And it all comes down to this. With three seconds left in the game, it's between Newton, Seahawks, and the one-yard line. Cam has decisions to make. Newton runs the ball, trying to fight his way in the end zone, but nearly makes it, leaving the final score 35-30. Seahawks win. Whew, that was a heck of a game. Sure was. It was literally a movie at the one-yard line. However, Newton's comeback attempt fell short. Cam is looking really good out there with leading the Patriots. Yeah, he sure is. Well, that's it on Patriots Takeover. Have a wonderful day, ladies and gentlemen, and see you later. All right, we're here now with another NBA segment. What is the name of y'all segment? The Western NBA. Western NBA. So, like, you are just focusing on the Western Conference? Yes. All right. And in this uh, segment, we have Samuel, Andrew, Reeve, and Chinezum. All right. Um, thank you guys for the segment that y'all created. Uh, give us a little preview about what, what we're going to hear. Um, we're going to start talking about, like, the finals and who's going to be a part, who's going to make it, the Lakers or the Nuggets. Their and everybody said the Lakers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what isn't it? Is it three one two one? It's two one. Two one. The games tonight. Games tonight. Um. Yeah. <clears throat> do you, who do you think? Um. Since you think the Lakers are going to move on, and I agree with you. Um. Who do you think they'll play in the finals? Um, the Heat. Probably the Heat. Yeah. Heat. He's been doing great. Do you think? Do you think either one of those, the Heat or the Celtics, have a real chance to like upset Anthony Davis and LeBron? I don't know because LeBron in the um, playoffs has been amazing. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean LeBron seems to always turn it on in the playoffs. It's uh, isn't he like forty? How many more years can he do that? Yeah, he said he's gonna retire once his son plays with him. Okay. All right. I mean, he says that, but I he could be maybe he's like the next Tom Brady and just plays like forever. Yeah. Uh, Chinesum, do you have anything you would like to add? Not really. Not really. Okay. 
All right. Well, um, I'm excited to uh, hear you guys' segment, and uh, thanks for the work that you've done. You're welcome. You're welcome. Hi, we're the Western NBA. My name's Sam. Uh, I'm Andrew. I'm Reeve. And I'm Gina Jones. And we're going to be talking about the Lakers and Nuggets. Uh, so for, for game two, the Lakers versus Nuggets. Uh, Lakers won on a buzzer beater by Anthony Davis. Well, uh, anyways, for the like, the top scores uh, for the Nuggets were Jokic with thirty points and Jamal Murray with twenty five. And for the Lakers, uh, LeBron and Anthony Davis both score. Uh, LeBron scored uh, 26 points, and Anthony Davis scored 31. And the score was 103, 105. So the Lakers scored uh, 34 points uh, in the paint, while the Nuggets scored 38. The Lakers got 25 rebounds, and the Nuggets only got four, I mean, the Nuggets got 44 rebounds. And the score for the third game was 106 to 114. Nuggets won. And the series is two to one. And the game four is tonight. So in game three, uh, for the Lakers, Anthony Davis scored 27 points, while LeBron James scored around 30. And for the Nuggets, uh, Jokic scored uh, 22 points, and Jamal Murray scored 38. Uh, so the Lakers score uh, 64 points in the paint, while the Nuggets scored uh, 48. And the total rebounds for both teams was the Lakers had uh, 25 and the Nuggets had 44. Hi, my name is Reeve, and I'm here to talk about the Celtics and Raptors game seven. Celtics won 92-87. The Raptors made eight threes while the Celtics made nine. The Raptors had six blocks while the Celtics had five. 
Toronto's 31 points, giving up the turnovers was the turning point of the game. Jason Tatum had the best individual performance with 29 points, 7 assists, and 12 rebounds. Ojananobi had the worst individual, un, individual performance when he played 35 minutes, had 4 points, 7 rebounds, and 1 assist. The Raptors lost because they didn't make clutch shots down the stretch. They let Kim Walker get hot. Kyle Lowry fouled out. How it should go in the next season is limit turnovers and hit open threes. All right, that's the end of our show for this week. Thank you to the students for the work that they put in, and thank you for listening. Please click the like or follow button, whichever platform you're streaming your podcast from, and we'll see you next week on One Hour School, One Hour School Wide.